Greetings, Starfighter. You have been recruited by the Star League to defend the frontier against Sur and the Kodan Armada. Get ready? Prepare for blast off. Arcade players, get ready. The new Atari 5200 Super System is here. With a controller so advanced, it plays arcade. Graphics so real, it looks arcade. With arcade hits, you can't play on any other system. No other home video system can touch it. The new Atari 5200 Super System. It's as good as you are. Maybe even better. Next time. Episode 15 of the Super Community Podcast. We have Mr. Mighty Matt D on the line, and of course, your host, Willie. To talk hey, about, everyone. Yeah, to talk about the last Starfighter prototype and Astro Chase. We got the whole space theme going on. I didn't even think about that. Yeah, we did, didn't we? Yep. Well, before we get started, uh, David from the 5200 Podcast made a nice little posting uh, talk a little bit more about the Master Play clone, the newer version that's out right now. Uh, this is done by Atari Guy 1021, and it allows you to use a 2600 paddle controller now. You just have to make a small modification to the paddle wiring uh, to get it to work, but at least you can hook up paddles to use on the 5200. That's pretty cool. Yeah, that's really awesome, especially for Super Breakout or uh, Kaboom. Yeah, kaboom. Kaboom. <laughs> kaboom is so much fun with a paddle on the 5200. Yeah. Of course, you got to put up with that overture from Astro Chase as well. Da, 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 boom, boom. Yeah. <laughs> Boy, that'll. if that won't drill a hole in your brain, I don't know what will. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It, it definitely drilled a hole in my brain, and... What's really funny is uh, I pretty much did like you did. I muted the sound, the music, and I mm-hmm. played something else while I played the game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I ended up looking up uh, the overture on, on YouTube, and then I had that playing in the background. I was like, that's, that's a lot better. Oh, at, least it doesn't, at least it doesn't do the same little section over and over again. I, I was listening to the uh, Buckner Garcia arcade album. Oh, that's a good choice. <laughs> While I was playing it. <laughs> Got Pac-Man fever. Pac-Man fever. Because I like the Space Invaders song. He's hooked, he's hooked, he's brain is cooked. Cracks me up every time. Oh, yeah. That's good stuff. But, yeah. Um, so let's talk about Astro Chase here. All right, let's do that one first. It's a, it's a pretty good game. Uh, it's published by Parker Brothers in 1983. It's written by Fernando Herrera for First Star Software. Now, Fernando, Fernando won the Atari Star Award. I guess Atari, back in the day, they would try to encourage kids to learn programming, and they had this contest where kids would submit the programs that, they, that they'd written on their Atari home computers. Yep. And he had won that contest. And I don't know what he won it for, but... I don't know if it was for this game or for something else. I don't think it was this game, but he uh, he went on to to, to work for First Star and, and wrote a few things. And uh, this appeared on Atari Home Computers and also on the Commodore sixty four, and it even made an appearance in an arcade cabinet by Exidy. They had this arcade cabinet they called the Maxiflex arcade cabinet, and it had three other games: uh, Boulder Dash, Bristles, and Flip and Flop. And all those were basically games that ran on Atari 400. So the arcade cabinet wasn't really much more than an Atari 400 board with like a timer. That would so when you when you bought a game, you put your quarter in, it wouldn't uh, do it by well how many you get so many lives in the game over like a typical arcade game. It would do it. You got to play for a certain amount of time, kind of like the Nintendo Play Choice cabinets 
that if you remember those, yeah. they would have any. They would have like ten NES games on them. You could just pick which one you play. I mean, you, you bought time on it. You weren't buying a, a game. You were just buying time. So <clears throat> that uh, you, I've never seen one of these cabinets, but I do have a I do have a picture of it. It looks kind of interesting. I know that I remember Boulder Dash in particular as being a a home game that was pretty popular, but I don't remember Bristles or Flip and Flop. No, I don't recall those either. I do remember Boulder Dash. Yeah, Boulder Dash is quite good. But I don't, I've never seen one of these arcade cabinets either. It's a neat-looking arcade cabinet. Yeah, that's kind of cool. The marquee is pretty neat. The marquee features just Astro Chase, so I don't know if uh, they had uh, multiple art marquees with, with different games on them or what. Couldn't find out too much info on it. Something tells me it probably wasn't a, a huge seller. I, I've never even heard of one. <laughs> yeah. Well, this game was definitely a major hit uh, when it was released. Uh, I guess Parker Brothers uh, snapped up the rights for like $250,000 or something like that. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, they saw it was going to be a hit, so they just snapped it right up. They did a pretty good job of picking things to publish. Uh, I think Parker Brothers had a lot of great stuff on the 5200 and 2600. Yeah, yeah, they did. They were a good publisher. I uh, I think this game's... I enjoyed it a lot, but I don't know how well it really holds up today. Um, I don't have any... I never played it back then at all. Did, did you ever play it, Willie, back in the 80s? I played it on my Atari 8-bit computer. Okay. Was it a favorite of yours back then? Uh, not particularly, no, because I didn't really like how it controlled, and I still don't like how it controls, mm-hmm. where, you know, you basically, you hold your fire button in to fire, but while you're firing, your ship keeps going the same direction and bounces around like a pinball. Yeah. I didn't really care for that. But it's it's still a fun game. It's it's pretty challenging to try to destroy those uh, what do they call those mega mines or something like that. Yeah, from getting to the planet Earth. Right, and, and I like how the planet Earth blows up when it yes. does get <laughs> Chunk Earth chunks everywhere. <laughs> Little square chunks everywhere. You've yeah. been pixelated. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it has really good graphics. It even has a little intro screen where the spaceman gets off his the rocket ship lands he gets off the there and walks through the crowd of admirers and all that stuff uh that's impressive looking and i don't think not, not many games at the time had that sort of cut scene no that that's probably one of my favorite things about the game is watch that little cut scene at the very beginning mm-hmm. and, I, and i really like the beam up effect yeah and the launching effect the little fire come out of the bottom of the ufos it's going up that's a that's a neat little color palette they use. Yeah, it it, it shows you just how powerful the Atari, uh, Atari home computer hardware was, and the fifty two hundred as well. That's a lot of colors there, a lot of detail. But, but the play field, I think, was just a little bit too crowded. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, I have to agree, especially in the higher levels. It gets very crazy, and, and like you said, where you have to sort of do that. I've got mixed feelings about the controls. It's it's neat that you can move in one direction and shoot in another, like strafing, and that's essential to be able to master that to get any good at the game. Yes. But with the play field being as crowded as it is, you can't strafe but maybe a couple seconds if you're lucky and you're going to bounce off something. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yep. It's just a bit much. This game would be kind of neat as a twin-stick shooter, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I think if he had been able to have maybe a different control scheme, it would have or a different type of controller, it would have worked out a lot better. Yeah. But that being said, it was a very popular game. It got a lot of awards, I noticed. Uh, some mm-hmm. of the awards I saw was Best Science Fiction, Fantasy Computer Game, uh, the Archie Awards from Electronic Games Magazine. Uh, it oh, got wow. uh, the Best shoot 'em up by Computer Games Magazine. It got the Golden Floppy Award. <laughs> Had Best Graphics by Computer Games Magazine. Also, Creative Computing gave it best graphics. It was the Game of the Month by Dealerscope Magazine. And it was the number one Atari computer game in England by the Computer World Magazine. That says a lot for the game right there. Yeah, it does. That's a, it got a, obviously got great press. Um, 
I just can't play I, it worth a darn. <laughs> yeah, I can't either. I really tried. Like I really tried to to finish it. You know, um, that's. I think that's a mindset that comes from modern gaming. Is you you have to finish. If there's an end to the game, you've got to get there. Got to get there. And yeah, I, there's no way I could do it on this. Maybe if I practiced it for months on end, but it gets <laughs> it gets hairy. Yes, it does. Now, have you ever seen the uh, the sequel to this game that came out a few years after this one? No, the Astro Chase 3D. Mm. No, I no, haven't seen that. That was on the Color Macintosh computers. Oh wow! Okay, uh, made by MacPlay and Interplay. It's a 3D hmm. version of the same game. We're actually sitting in the UFO, bouncing off the planets and shooting the uh, Mega Mines and stuff. It's actually really cool to see. It seems like it would give you some motion sickness. <laughs> it's like, does, does it come with a barf bag? <laughs> <laughs> Every box comes with a flight barf bag. <laughs> That's neat. No, I hadn't seen that. No, it's it's pretty cool. I saw a mention of it, and I was like, I never... I never heard of Astro Chase 3D. I thought it was kind of interesting to uh, to hear about. Hmm. That's, so that's cool. That's pretty awesome, man. Yeah. I like the uh, the cover art for it, too. It definitely looks like a Millennium Falcon chasing down a, a rocket ship. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to... I'm trying to... I'm looking at the box art, and I'm looking at the UFO, and I'm trying to... It, it looks like it's a model. Mm-hmm. And not a drawing. I, I can't really tell, but it looks like you know, like a Star Wars model. Yeah, I have to agree. It uh, that had to be what they did, or maybe they took a couple model kits and squished them together. You know, <laughs> let's see. Let's take this frisbee and glue a bunch of pieces on it. Hey, there we go. <laughs> it works. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I love the I love the artwork on the uh, the box. It's pretty neat. Mm-hmm. Gives you a good sense of what the game is. Yeah, it does. Sums, sums it right up. What'd you think of the uh, the play control with the the, the CX fifty two? Did you use that, or did you end up using uh, your Master Play adapter on it? Uh, I used the Master Play adapter. Yeah, I think that's yeah. a better way to go for this. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Especially with all those like split second moves you've got to make, it's uh, it's just easier. Yeah, yeah, I found it much easier to to change directions and straight using the master play in a Sega Genesis controller. Yeah, that's what, that's what I did. I, that's what I was using. I did try it with the CS fifty two just to see what it was like, and it it was a little hard for me. Yeah, it's not horrible. I would have no. been able to deal with it back in the day for sure, but oh, it, yeah. it's just better with a. Master play. Much better. Yep. Yep. It's pretty pretty good overall. I just don't know if it, it, it ages very well, I think, is the thing. Well, it doesn't have a I, whole lot to it. You know, it's basically bounce around the screen and shoot these mines. Yeah. And uh, the cutscene, although I like that a lot, you can't yeah. skip it. So you. It, no. It's fun the first few times you see it, and after a while you're like, okay, uh, come on. Come on. <laughs> That's Let's move through this now. <laughs> I want to play. Yeah. I, uh... I, I got a couple of tips, I think, for, for playing it. I'm, I didn't get really great at it by any means, but I noticed that uh, you get some bonus points for how much energy you have at the end of a level. Yeah. So if you're trying to go for score, it's a good idea to go ahead and charge up your uh, your ship by, by running over those... Uh, Little space station things, shield things. Yes, definitely run over those a whole bunch. And charge up your energy as much as you can, and then you can blast that last mega mine and get a little more points that way. And uh, you definitely want to master that little strafing technique. You're, you're just going to have to, and you, if you know that you're going to bounce off a planet, sometimes you can set yourself up to just bounce between two of them and then just keep firing away. Yep, that can help you out a little bit too. Yeah, well, you know, all the objects were placed on the screen, so you can't actually go from one side to the other continuously. You have to maneuver around. Mm-hmm. There's no real good clean light of sight to go all the way across the screen play field. No, there's not. But you can uh, you can usually find something uh, in the middle or mm-hmm. at the edges that'll, that'll at least get part of the screen covered. And usually you have enough time to uh, 
to set set that up and then blast away for a little while because the Mega Mines don't approach Earth all that quickly. You have no. Usually you have plenty of time. Yeah, got lots of time. Now I like the pause feature, all those flashy colors. Oh yeah, yeah. I think they did that. They did that with a lot of games. I think. To, yes. Uh, keep your TV from getting burned in on Burn it. In. Yeah. I don't know if you've, ever, if you've seen that in like an old arcade games where they've got. Yes. Oh looks yes. Ter- looks terrible. Yes. I know my, my mom and dad would have killed me if I'd done that to the TV that <laughs> at home. <laughs> well, that yeah. pack, a uh, Miss Pac-Man I brought home uh, to repair, it had screen burn in on it. Mm. So with the thing off, you can see the Pac-Man, Miss Pac-Man maze on there. Yeah. Like, oh man. Kids today, I'll never know that that struggle with these LCD and LED screens we have now. Yeah, there's CRT screens have a charm all their own. They really do. I uh, I prefer it for for retro gaming, especially. Uh, yeah, it, you play you play let's say an Atari Twenty Six Hundred game on an LCD TV or an LED TV and stuff like that. It just 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 doesn't quite look right. You no. put on an old CRT and the colors that bleed together and. Mm-hmm. It, it it looks a whole lot better on a CRT. Plus, everything kind of glows. Like it has this yeah. warmth to it. Uh, things leave this little. Some games even leave like a little bit of a phosphor trail. I don't know. Like if uh, the ones of the black background and such. If a, oh yeah. Yeah, you move you move your sprite through it quickly. It'll it'll sort of leave a little phosphor trail behind it. It's very faint, but it's there, and it, it just adds something to it that you don't get with an LCD screen. I'm- that's true. I remember the old uh, Pong machines when they came out on those black and white monitors. They would leave a nice little phosphor trail behind the ball, mm-hmm. which That's added really to neat. the charm. Yeah, when you play it on a modern LCD LED screen. You'll get that trail like you do on a CRT, which adds to it. Yeah, no, you don't. And I see that that uh, even a lot of emulators now they'll they don't add in the phosphor trail, but they at least add in those scan lines to try to make the image look a little softer. Yeah. Yeah, that does help. Mm-hmm. What, what kind of what kind of TV or do you use to retro game on? I got an old Sony Trinitron. That's uh, Ooh. my boss was going to throw it away. He was <gasps> going to put he was going to push it out a second story window Ooh. because it was too too heavy to carry out outside. Which <laughs> the dang thing is a beast. Like it's heavy. Oh, yeah. I can kind of see why he didn't want to move it. But I told him, no, 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 don't don't break it. Let me let me come and get it. Let me take it off your hands. So. It was cost me nothing, and it's a great TV for for retro gaming. I'm using a Amdeck Color One Plus monitor, hmm. Color CRT RGB monitor. It oh. has a phenomenal picture on it. Oh, I'll bet. Yeah, the RP, oh, yeah. RGB ones are really good. I know the the Commodore. I think it's a Commodore yes. Four. Those are really good too. Oh yes. Yeah. So I'm always I'm always on the lookout for like Amdeck monitors or the Commodore 64 Commodore monitors. Mm-hmm. I always keep an eye out for those when I'm out and about at flea markets and things like that. Yeah. The great thing is if you find them, people usually give them to you. They're dirt cheap or free because yeah. nobody can use them for anything modern. No. You know? uh-uh. Yeah. No, I, I love the Trinitron. It's it's phenomenal. It's got component inputs on it. And I got my PS2 Ooh. hooked up to it and play the, like, the arcade game collections on it. Looks fantastic. It's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, heck yeah. Atari looks good on it too. So Yeah. I, I got, got my fifty two hundred hooked up to it through RF, you know, no <laughs> mods done or anything. It still looks great. So oh, yeah. yeah. The most earth shattering dig dunk. The most realistic joust. Soul position at his hair raising best. Only on the Atari fifty two hundred super system. Now at its lowest price ever. Real Sports Baseball. You're out. 2,600 games. The adapter plays them all. The Atari 5200 Super System and all the exciting new games now at a new low price. Super There's no fleet, no starfighters, no plan. 
One ship, you, me, and that's it? Exactly. Zero thinks you're still on Earth. Classic military strategy. Surprise attack. There'll be a slaughter. That's the spirit. game we're going to discuss is a prototype game, The Last Starfighter. Yeah, a fantastic. Uh, did did you see the movie back then in the in 84 when it came yes, out? Yes, I did. Great movie. Oh, I love that movie. I mean, I, my favorite character in there was probably uh, Centauri. Yeah. He just He's cracks funny. me up the way he talks. He, yeah, he's a slick-talking guy. Yeah. Kind of like a salesman. Yes. Yeah, I thought it was kind of cool how, you know, that one scene, it shows him with his face off. He kind of <laughs> looks like a Rodan from Star Wars, but blue. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That uh, I was only 10 when that came out, and I it just... I must have been the target demographic for that movie, I guess, because it <laughs> it blew me away. I was I was ready. I kept waiting for the Starfighter game to appear in my local arcade. And what's interesting is, you know, in the credits, it talked about an Atari arcade game. Yeah, it did. At the it's, very end. The very end, yeah, because they had bought the rights and they were supposed yeah. to make an arcade game, and I kept waiting for it. So where's and, that, uh, man? I want to play this thing. Listen, I was ready to spend all of my allowance and quarters if that was what was necessary to get recruited because I was ready to go. I was ready to go. Yeah. <laughs> Me and my mobile cave is ready to go. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh, I thought it was just amazing. Well, what's really what's really cool is I was watching a, a documentary on the making of The Last Starfighter, 
and it was one of the first movies to use a lot of digitized effects, computer-generated models and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And what was really interesting is, I didn't realize this, that when they did the original movie and they went to render all the digital uh, scenes, at the current time, the supercomputer they had at the time, it would take 17 months to render all the scenes. It took seven. It no, took no, seventeen. It, it, would, it would have taken seventeen months if they had oh. it like they wanted it. So they cut oh. a bunch of stuff out and they dumbed it down quite a bit to get it down to a shorter time frame to get the movie out on time. Oh wow! So what we saw in the movie theaters is not what was attended. It was supposed to be a whole lot better than what we saw. Oh wow! That's too bad. They just didn't didn't have the technology they needed. What I would love to see if, if someone could find that old stuff and actually get it rendered. Oh, yeah. To make it look it, like it would, should have looked like when it came out in the movie theaters. Oh, sure, because it would take a modern computer about mm, five seconds maybe to yeah. render all that. We have good examples. Like, you know, when you see that scene, uh, they're showing uh, the Star League base that's in the side of that mountain or whatever it is like that. Yeah. That particular scene... It had a whole lot more detail than what we got. You know, basically it looked like a pile of mud with some stuff stuck in the side. Yeah, it did. Which is unfortunate. Even the ship models were even more detailed and everything. I would love to see what it was supposed to be like. Yeah, that's too bad. I, uh, yeah, I would like to see that too. Maybe somebody will. Who knows? Yeah, get on it, man. Yeah. yeah. Find this old footage or this old program, whatever, and re-render it. You know, it's probably sitting... I hope they didn't lose it. They might have, though. Yeah, you never know. It'd be yeah. kind of cool if it's still sitting out there somewhere and, you know, someone decides to do that. I mean, they're pretty good about keeping all their film archived, but I don't know if they're good about keeping all the props and things like that archived. So. Yeah, that's true. That's true. That would be neat to see, though. Yeah. I, I did, I did, I watched, rewatched it uh, last week, and uh, I still, I always enjoy it. I, I got it on DVD, and uh, yeah, I, I do too. It, I got it on Blu-ray. Oh, I didn't know there was a Blu-ray. Yeah, I got cool. a Blu-ray version. Nice. Oh, oh I got yeah. It. I know. I know. I know. I, I got to go for that. <laughs> oh, did you? <laughs> yeah, I watched it oh, again today after playing the game. I think it's still entertaining. I, uh, I st- it takes me right back to to the eighties every time I see it. And uh, it, you know, it kind of reminds me of uh, the, the the rendered scenes. I mean, they, they, it looks like a sort of like a PlayStation One game, like yeah. an early PlayStation One game. Yeah, it so does. To think that they were doing that at all in nineteen eighty four is pretty amazing. Yeah, it is. And it was very truthful like they they were doing that because well this is what things are going to look like this is what games and such are going to look like in the future and they were totally right and that's that's not far off at all well what's interesting is you know the game they were portraying in there the the starfighter game that alex was playing not long after the movie had come out we got the wing commander series you're right which is very similar to what the last starfighter game was looking like yep so that's kind of cool yeah, the, the the Wing Commander series almost picked up where Star Raiders left off. Yeah. I felt like, yeah, and that was a great series. I loved that the Wing. Oh Commander hell series. yeah! I was a big fan of those, especially the the third one. Yes, um, man, that blew me away because they had the that was the first game I'd played that had real you know filmed cutscenes. Yes. And they looked good, and they were like I think they even had Mark Hamill in that thing. Yeah, Mark Hamill. So, they had a. Oh, who's that one guy that played uh, the bad guy on Star Trek Generations? I can't remember his name. He talks so cool. Uh, Dang, yeah. I can't remember his name. Rats. Oh, well. Yeah. Jeez, um, it was such a great game. And I remember it pushed my computer to the limits. Like, I had just yeah. bought a Pentium 60 megahertz. <laughs> Eight megabytes of RAM. This thing was Whoa, a, beast. a beast. It was a it was just a, a, a Ferrari of home computers, right? Yeah. And it, and it ran the game, and it, but boy, it was just it was amazing. It blew me away. It was like the, the the coming together of cinema and gaming, you know. That was that was the bad thing about PC gaming back then is you you go to buy a game, 
And I was always, I would always look at the system specifications on the side of the box and be like, "Oh crap, I gotta buy another video card." <laughs> oh yeah, I think it's, it's it's still like that. That's why I don't yeah. do it. I got so tired of that. I just said, you know what? Hell with it. I'm just gonna be a console gamer. I'd, it's so much easier. Yeah, because I seem yeah. I seem like I was constantly upgrading my computers. Like when the when the X Wing series came out, I'm like, oh yeah. Oh crap! I gotta upgrade my my video card. Well, I remember or my, we... my my or my CPU or add more memory. More memory. Yeah, I remember uh, when when Commander Three came out. Origin Systems, uh, the, the publisher, actually was giving out coupons for for RAM. Right. Because yeah, because they knew that people weren't people's computers were weren't really generally up to snuff to play the game and they wanted to oh, sell wow. more copies so they, they actually did uh, discounts on upgrades I, and I've never seen that before or I, since I didn't know that, that's, that's pretty wild yeah, they said uh, I remember a few weeks before it came out they were saying, is your computer ready you know, and giving out coupons and such so was it Mal- Malcolm McDowell that you were thinking of? that's him, that's the guy I, I, I like how he talks rescue. yeah, yeah he's got the neatest voice the thing was really well acted. Like that was just yeah. great. They they usually don't go through that kind of to get that that kind of caliber of actor even even today for games. No. So yeah, that was very refreshing. It's it's cool to have it on the PlayStation One too. Yeah, I need to get a copy of it because I don't have a. I bet you can probably get it through Steam or something. I think so. I think you can. Yeah, I need to get that again. And did you did you did I send you the link? For RogueSynapse.com, where the one of my buddies who runs that website, uh, he actually built a Last Starfighter arcade cabinet. Mm. He, yeah, you and did. He made the game. Have you played that? Yeah, I did. I tr- I tried it today. I have. I hadn't had time, and I I finally tried it today. And I'll tell you, it's it's shockingly yeah close to what you see in the film. Oh yeah. And the sounds effects, sound effects, especially, are right on. Yeah, it's a great, it's a great game, and it doesn't require a high-end P- PC to run either. No, uh, the system specifications, and, I, and I've got the link that, that Willie's talking about. I've got the link in uh, that that uh, write-up I did for the Last Starfighter. So if you guys go check that out, the link is at the end of the article. But um, yeah, the system specifications are Windows ninety eight and a Pentium three. So, <laughs> you should be okay. If you're listening to this podcast, you should yep. be okay to play the game. Yep. <laughs> it's got kind of a weird control scheme. Where, like, he, he did do a good job of making it like the, the fictitious arcade game that Alex Rogan is playing. With He's got it's sort of a twin stick thing. One controls yep. the targeting reticle and one uh, spins the ship around. Yep. So... You kind of use two different sets of keys on the keyboard to do that, uh, like WASD and JKLI, or your movement things. So that takes some getting used to. I don't know if you can configure it for joystick or not. I, I didn't uh, have enough time to see if you could. Did you have any look, luck with that, Willie? I don't recall. It's been a while since I've played it. It'd be a great thing to use like a like a PlayStation 2 type controller with two analog sticks that I think would work really well with that. Yeah. Even if you can't, uh, even if it doesn't have built-in support for that, I bet that you could map the directions to keys or something and and play it that way. Cool. Yeah. I'm definitely going to try to do that because it is, it it is just like what you, what you see in the film. I'm very impressed. It even has like little plans for the, uh, like CAD drawings for the arcade cabinet he made. <laughs> really neat. It is pretty cool, man. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go ahead and put one of those together and see what see what my wife thinks when I set that up in the living room. <laughs> <laughs> Look, honey, a real arcade game. Some guy in a silver car pulls up outside. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know why they didn't give him a DeLorean. That would have been that would have really set it off perfect. Or was it? That little star car he had, I can't remember. I'm not, you know, I was trying it to find out like... what that star car was. Uh, I don't know if it was, if there was a custom-built car, or they took an existing model and added stuff onto it. I, but I was trying to figure that out, because it does look like a DeLorean a little bit. Yeah, But it's a neat-looking car. Yeah, very cool. It's they had really the coolest-looking coolest cars in the 80s. 
every car now is like looks the same. <laughs> of course, of course, I really like the design of the the ship itself, the Gun Stars. Oh yeah, that was That's a great awesome. design. Yes, it was very cool looking. And his uh, in that game that Rogue Synapse made, that that the intro of it is is exactly like what you see in the film. Yes, it's, a, it's so. Even then, you, you know, you're talking about how much rendering time it took for them probably to make that for the film, and even a Pentium three computer could could do that on the fly. <laughs> it's kind of kind of cool because it looks and sounds exactly like it should. Very well, cool. You know, it's too bad that this prototype game didn't come out for the, for the fifty two hundred. I think it probably would have done very well. I think so too. It's very well made. Um, it's a lot of fun to play. It's got. It's got a lot going for it. I, uh, I'm kind of surprised they canceled it. I guess I don't know if they just if that came around the time that they were canceling everything for the 5200, or if it was a case of because you know they'd already bought the license, they already had a yeah. tie in with the movie. Like yeah. what? How much more would it have cost them to go on ahead and put it on store shelves? It's, it's I don't I don't really understand that. Yeah, I think would have been I think would have been a great seller for them, you know. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it was completed, so you know they also had a twenty six hundred version too. I guess they made into Solaris. Yes, that's right. Um, and Solaris is a fantastic game oh too. Oh my but it, gosh, yes it is. It's nothing like this though. There's come on, the, Ferg, cover that game, man. Oh yeah, he's probably going to get to that uh, in a few years, maybe twenty five, maybe. <laughs> I, don't I don't know what the part number is on it, but I think it's pretty far up there. It's pretty far up there, yeah. It's but for a 32K game, uh, this thing is phenomenal. Of course, you know, it was released as Star Raiders 2 for the XEGS and Atari XLs. That's, yes. where, that's where I played it mostly. I do have a cartridge copy of that. But there is some oh. differences between the two games that you made some good notes about. Yes, there are quite a bit of differences. Um, we could probably get to that. Uh, yeah. Get to that here in a minute. We can maybe just talk about yeah. the... Starfighter game itself first, but yeah, there are there are a few differences. I'm glad they at least at least it got out there in some form, you know, because at least uh, at least people got got to play it. Well, I like what you did. You actually had Albert make you a custom cartridge of the game with a label and everything. Yeah, I'm seriously considering doing that myself. Yeah, it's very cool. I was pleasantly surprised by that because Albert has over at Atari Age, he has a. Uh, you know, he's got the Atari Age store, and yes. you can order a custom cart with any ROM you want on it. Yep. All you have to do is, and it's, it's. I think it was thirty dollars, I think, for yeah. a fifty-two hundred game. And I just wrote a little message in there and said, "Hey, I, I kind of want the last Starfighter ROM on a, on a cartridge. If you could do that." And I didn't ask for anything about the label. He just put that on there himself. So Isn't I guess cool? he's got a graphic ready, and it looks great. Oh, yeah. It looks, it looks just like something Atari would have put out. Yeah. There's no box or manual for it, but I mean, there there wasn't anything for him to work from, I'm sure. So, but still, it's it's really neat to have. I would I would highly recommend it. This is worth thirty bucks, you guys. Like, no question. How to find somebody that could make a custom box? Yeah, to put this cartridge in and a manual. And because a manual. I did, I did have a little bit of trouble. Fig- I, I mostly figured out how to play from reading the Star Raiders Two manual. That's what I did too. But the game isn't exactly the same, so there's no. some stuff. Some stuff you kind of got to figure out. So, I think it would be cool to to make a custom manual for it too. Man, you could like tie in. Uh, you could even put pictures of the stills from the movie or something in there. Oh yeah, that That'd would be, be awesome. Neat. Yeah, that'd be cool stuff. But it does play a lot like. Uh, Star Raiders. I don't know if they were going for that one or if they were drawing inspiration from that when they programmed it, but basically the game plays from the first-person perspective from inside the, the, the starship and you're fighting. you got three different basic enemy types. There's the, the fighters and then there's the destroyers and then there's the command ships. And you have three different kinds of weapons. You've got your lasers that you can use to, to blast off the enemy fighters. They're, they're very, they fire really quickly, um, and they you've got unlimited use of them. Your, your laser cannon will overheat if you shoot too much. Yeah, <laughs> so you kind of got to get it, let it cool down every now and then. Lay off the trigger, Tex. Right, you know, no, no, just holding down the fire button. For no, an hour at a time. That's not going to work. 
But um, and then you've got some uh, ion cannons for the bigger stuff, like the the destroyers or the command ships. And then you've got I hear this is where it takes a big turn from Star Raiders is you've got bombs, so you can actually do bombing runs uh, on planet surfaces. Yep. So if you if you warp to a planet on your little galactic map, it's got a galactic map, kind of like Star Raiders, except it's not gridded out like Star Raiders is. It's just a picture of a solar system, and you can move your cursor to any thing in the solar system, a planet or an enemy squadron or or a, or, a, or the sun, because you get you get recharge from the sun, which is kind of different. I guess your I guess your ship is solar powered. <laughs> 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 I don't know, but um, anyway. You, you, you move around that that map, and you uh, <clears throat> when you go to a planet, if the planet's one of yours, you have to defend it from the, the Codan Armada. So you end up blasting like starships out of the sky and what have you. But if you go over to one of the enemy planets, it'll have all the enemy bases on the surface, and you have to bomb those and destroy all of those. You'll see them all mapped out in your scanner, and you can uh, use your joystick to either speed up or slow down and line your line up your crosshairs with those bases and bomb them. But while you're doing that, there's still enemy fighters in the air trying to shoot you down. Yes. So you, you, you're really trying to do a, two, two things at once. And it is, it's frantic, it's exciting, it, it's really good stuff. That's my favorite part of the game by far. I think one of my favorite parts is actually when you fly to the frontier and you shoot one of those command ships trying to cut through. Oh, yeah. I, I like the explosion it does when you shoot it. Yeah, that's very cool. And that is that's straight out of the movie. Yeah, you can. There's a little scene where they they show a command ship cutting through the their little shield defense system they call the frontier, and yeah, they reenact that for the game, which is great. Those destroyers, though, oh my gosh, the red ones, mm-hmm. they they are they are fanatically hard to destroy. Complete pain in the butt. Yeah, it's like you know, I think there's blue, green, and red. I think blue takes the least amount of shots and the red takes the most shots to destroy and nine yeah. times out of ten i'll be you know get ready to get rid of a, a squadron and i'll throw three red ones at me mm-hmm. <laughs> no no yeah it's uh and it, it i still can't say i've mastered it but there's definitely a, a trick to shooting these things down you have to sort of lead your shot because your ion cannon yes is what you have to use for those things. And it's powerful, but it fires really slow. Yep. So you've got to lead your shots, and it's a little hard to tell what they're going to do. Yeah, because they move all over the place. Yeah. And meanwhile, they're, they've got this huge uh, spiral shot that pretty much guarantee to hit you, clobber you every time. So yep. you, can't, you can't really go toe-to-toe with these guys. You've got to get rid of them quick. It's like one shot, there, there went my cannons. Dang, gone it, go fly to the sun again. Yeah, right. The sun the sun also repairs you. <laughs> it's a magical it's a, sun. It's a magical sun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a it's a great game though. Uh there's three difficulty settings on it. So and it does have an ending. If you manage to destroy all the enemy squadrons and wipe out all the bases that they have on their planets, then you win the game. Yep. And you get a lot of bonus points. So Life it's points. really it's really fun to try to see what kind of score you can get. And if you beat it on the first difficulty setting, which is challenging enough, I think, it takes yeah. me it takes me a solid 20 to 30 minutes to beat the game on, on setting 1, which that's a long yeah. time for that's a long time for an Atari game to, yeah, to be playing. Yeah, that's how long it took me. My video I made, I think is about that long. Yeah. That was yeah, love, that was a love difficulty 1 I made that video on. Yeah, I think it clocked in at just over 30 minutes, so. Yeah. yeah. And uh, two more difficulties. It just gets basically the uh, all these enemy squadrons are trying to close in on your planets, and all yes. your planets your planets have cities on them that uh, they'll destroy. And if they destroy all those cities, it's game over. Yep. yep. So when you up the difficulty setting, they just come for those. Pl- they move across the map a lot faster. So you're going to spend you're going to have a harder time keeping your your planets defended because you can't just go. And on difficulty level one, you can almost just make a beeline for the enemy star system and go down to their planets and destroy all their bases real quick. And then yeah. then go mop up the rest on your solar system. But you can't get away with that on the higher difficulty settings. They're, they'll wipe you out. Yeah, most definitely. 
mean, one of the strategies I use is every time I see the frontier being attacked, I immediately fly there to destroy that cutter thing, and that that pretty much uh, strands strands the uh, enemy squadron outside your solar system. They can't get in. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. They circle around the drain. I would kind of sometimes just let them do it if I thought they were getting close as well. Rather than go and intercept them, I'll just let them do that, and then because it's if you're if they're cutting through that that little scene there, you really can just fire one shot yep. and you're going to, you're going to hit them. It's oh, not, yeah. it's much easier because they're kind of vulnerable while they're doing that. Oh yes, they are. It's, and that kind of ties in with another strategy is, uh, if they, if you're flying one of your planets that they have under attack, they're trying to destroy your city. So you got to blast the fighters out of the sky like normal. But then when the destroyers come along, they're trying to bomb your cities they, what they do is they shoot down this little beam over yep. the city. like looks like a little tractor beam thing. But while they're doing that, they're holding still, and they're not shooting at you. So that's a perfect time to go on ahead and blast them. Yep. So I would kind of let them get close to a city and then take them out. Dig them out. Now, did you attack any squadrons that were running around inside of the Kodan? Uh, yeah. Did you get to fight the, the big ship at the end? Yeah, they're... Uh, command ship i guess it is yeah. uh, and that looks just like the one from the movie too yes I, I thought that was very cool hard as heck to destroy but it's pretty cool to see it gives you a lot of points too yes, so it it, it, it's it's not not a bad idea to go after a couple of those if you can that's how i beat your score <laughs> <laughs> yeah i was i was gonna try to I, I i made a few more attempts and i could not beat your score <laughs> so. This is clearly Willie's game. Oh, I love this game. Well, I didn't play this game a lot. I played Star Raiders 2 a lot, which mm-hmm. is basically the same game. Uh, yeah. I do I do remember my dad having this prototype on a disc. I don't know where he got it from, but I remember playing this oh. back then on disc. I don't know where he got it from. Oh, that's cool. Now, him and four other guys were really into the Atari computers back in the 80s. Mm-hmm. And they had these get-togethers about once every two weeks, and they would exchange discs. They would, you know, go go on these BBSs and find all sorts of stuff to download. And I think that's where it came from. But yeah, I had all kinds of fun. <laughs> yeah, that that's really cool. I, I'm a little jealous <laughs> that you were able to do that when you were a kid. Wow. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I uh, I remember seeing last star or the uh, Star Raiders two for the XEGS um, in the late eighties because that's when I did most of my Atari gaming. It was probably like mid to late eighties because I had a seventy eight hundred and um, I got a seventy eight hundred for Christmas of eighty six, I think. Oh. And um, the the Zegas was out too, and I remember seeing it and and really wanting to try it, and I remember kind of kicking myself like maybe I should have got the ask for the Zegas instead. That looks really cool. <laughs> I had no idea until much much later that it was just the same as like the four hundred, the eight hundred, the yeah. rest of that stuff. I had no idea. See, you could use that to your advantage. Like, look, look, mom, I attach a disc drive to it and a keyboard. It becomes a computer I can use for school. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I'll absolutely learn it. Learn from it. That's, oh, that's yeah. all. That's all it's I educational. Probably, I probably won't even play many games on it. No, no. no. <laughs> yeah, it's a. Uh, it, but I got Solaris on the twenty six hundred slash seventy eight hundred, so I did all right, I guess. Oh yeah, most definitely. I'm kind of curious what if there's a last starfighter version of solaris like where they didn't because i kind of figure they probably changed it slightly when they took the movie license away from it i would think oh, but that, that'd be interesting to find out yeah i don't know maybe they didn't because there's no room on the 2600 for things like text like no. descriptions or anything so maybe they didn't have to change it. maybe they just had to change the manual and packaging i don't know but it would be neat to see if they had anything like that so we talk about some of the differences between the Star Raiders game and this one. Yeah, sure, sure. Um, well, one of the big differences, Star Raiders Two has space stations littered around the solar system, like usually like two or three, I think, and you can dock with those to get repaired and refueled. Which is, you can also go to the sun and do it, but 
it's a little bit different. Like I notice if you do that, if you go, if you dock, dock with the sun in Star Raiders Two, your energy fills up super fast. Yes. And then you'll you can you'll basically blow up if you sit around the sun too long. So you've got to get in there and get out really quick. But the space stations are different. And it actually like has a little scene where it shows you lining up the space station and docking with it. And you can stay there. Just there's no rush. So that's that's kind of cool. I kind of wish they'd left that in the last Starfighter. But I guess it wouldn't have been. I guess it wouldn't have been the last Starfighter if there were space stations all over the place. That's true. <laughs> so maybe it wouldn't work out. Um, also, another difference is the uh, last Starfighter title screen looks a lot like the one from the film, or, or as close as you can get for with 2D graphics. You know, has a little scene of the ship uh, sitting on the launch pad, and it plays music and scrolls text by saying, "You've been recruited by the Star League." Yada yada yada. It's kind of neat. Um, one thing I miss that one thing Star Raiders Two has that I wish Last Starfighter has is it provides a little list of statistics when you win the game. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. Gives you a, a score and your rank and how many of each thing you destroyed, and the rank is kind of cool. Like you'd always want to try to get uh, that's kind of very Star Raiders thing to do with it. I know the original had that too, where you'd be yep. you'd be something like Cook, I think was down there near the bottom and admiral at the top or something and they uh they don't have that in last starfighter they just it just gives you a score and that's it um last starfighter sports analog control and it has bombs and guns to the separate fire buttons on the controller so in the star raiders 2 on the you have to use the computer keyboard to switch between your ion cannon and your lasers you gotta hit the w key but in Last Starfighter, you don't have to worry about that. Both both uh, weapons are armed Which at the same time. Which makes it much easier to bomb those enemy bases without right. keep, keeping the W key to flip back and forth. Yep, you can just... It's much more fluid. And when you're doing those bombing runs, by the way, in Star Raiders 2, you, the ship continually moves forward. You, yes. can slow it, you can slow it down by pulling back, but it's always moving forward. So if you, if you miss a base, you're going to have to wait for it to come back around. <laughs> which I'm sure is not fun when you're because they the, the enemy fighters just hammer on you continuously. If you if you wipe out one squadron of them, another one will come take its place. So it's kind of nice in Last Starfighter to be able to back up if you need if you miss something. Um, so uh, that's I think I think that part of the game's a little bit better on Last Starfighter personally. Yeah, I do too. Yeah, um, Star Raiders Two did have a tactical screen. That you could switch to. I think you hit the T key on the keyboard, and it brings up a little display of your ship where you can actually turn on the shields. Yep. And it shows this little graphic of all these little dots surrounding the ship. It reminded me of the scene in I think a Star Trek, one of the Star Trek movies. You can see them doing that. They they raise the shields and they show this little graphic of these little dots <laughs> surrounding the Enterprise. Yeah. I, I feel like that's that's where they got that from. Con, yes, that one. That was such, that was such a great Star Trek movie. That's oh, yeah. one of my favorites. Uh, it's good stuff. Um, but yeah, they in, in uh, Star Raiders Two, you can turn your shields on and off. And if they're on, you know you're better protected. But if they're off, your ship burns energy a little slower. So you can, sometimes it's good to just turn it off if you're just trying to warp somewhere else or get somewhere quick or you're running low on energy or something. But last Starfighter, you don't. You don't control them. It just there's no mention of shields, so I assume they're just always on or something. Um, and the scene that we talked about, where they're cutting through the frontier, that's not in Star Raiders Two at all. There is no. no no thing like that at all. So, but other than that, it's pretty close. I didn't see too many other differences that that I know of. Did, did you see anything else, Willie? No, no, that's you pretty much hit all the differences I'm aware of. Okay. I didn't play Star Raiders 2 a ton. I I don't have any experience with it, you know, before now, so I uh, I just played a few games of it to try to compare compare the two. It's oh. pretty good. Oh, it's a good game, but you know, I like playing the Last Starfighter. Uh, mainly mainly because, you know, one of the things that you can do in the Last Starfighter that you can't do on the Star Raiders 2 is you can actually go backwards with your ship on a planet, whereas mm-hmm. Star Raiders 2, you're always forced going forward. 
Yeah. So that makes if you pay, if you miss a base, you just back up. There we go. Yeah. Nail it. It's much easier. Much, much more fluid. Much easier. More fluid. I, I you know I could not finish it on on the Star Raiders too. I couldn't beat the game. I just couldn't do it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not afraid to admit it. It it beat me. The game has defeated Matt. Yeah, it's I, I, I could probably beat it eventually if I kept at it, but I thought just thought it was a lot harder. Yeah, it's it's a good looking game, and you know, I, I love all the graphics. The the planet surfaces are pretty well detailed. Yeah, and that's I love the solar system neat. map, man. Oh yeah, the solar system map's very cool looking. That was one of the screenshots they had in the back of the of the XE game box, I think. Yes. And that was I remember looking at that at KB Toys. I don't know about you, but I used to go to KB Toys and basically, yes. basically my mom could leave me in there for a solid hour. <laughs> and I would just look at every single game they had and, and mull over which one I would get if I had the money to get, you know, a couple or whatever. As I, I was all about those things. The, the unfortunate thing for me was uh, back when they started having the big clearance bins of 2600 games and 5200 games and stuff at KB. Oh yeah. During that same time that's when I discovered, you know, chicks and hot rods. <laughs> so that was the period of time that I didn't really play a lot of games, so I missed out on a lot of that clearance stuff. Mm, see, yeah, that was that would have been like 83, 84, I guess. Yes. Yes. And then I at that time I didn't get my Atari until 86, so I saw that stuff. But I didn't have an Atari, so I couldn't. Like, oh, I couldn't. I, I couldn't take advantage. It was too bad because I, even a little kid has enough money. Like th- those things were so cheap. I saw oh whole gosh. games yeah. for two or three bucks a piece. No yes. joke. Yes. And I was like, I would. I was bummed because I was like, well, geez, I wish I had my. So my my mom and dad didn't want me to have an Atari when I was that little because they thought I would sit there and play it all the time. I mean, who? You who would. Knew? I would have. <laughs> I absolutely would have. So. I, didn't, brain. I, I wasn't allowed to have one until I was a bit older. And uh, <laughs> by then, you know, the crash was over and Nintendo had come along, I think. And in, yep. in, in 86, they were they were out and kids were nuts for Nintendo. So Atari sort of re-released stuff. That's why they put the 7800 out is because the yeah. Nintendo had sort of revitalized the market. And yep. now stuff was stuff, Atari stuff was still cheaper than Nintendo stuff, but it wasn't 2 or $3 a game. It was more than that. So... Yeah, I used to look forward to the uh, the black the Black Friday sales circulars and stuff to see mm-hmm. what Atari games were going to be on sale. Oh yeah, good times, good times. Yeah, that's fun stuff. I don't think you're going to see that type of thing anymore because it seems like physical copies of games are kind of going away. Yeah, it's all becoming digital media now. Yeah, really, I get that. I I. I mean, we've seen it coming. That's where the PC game market went years ago. But it still kind of bums me out. I I like I still like to buy a physical copy of a game when I can, even though they don't give you jack with it. Really, you get. It. <laughs> I I got myself a Switch, and uh, it's funny because the games are on these tiny, dinky little cards, and the cards are in a plastic clamshell okay. box that has nothing else in it. First rule of. 5200 Super Community, we don't talk about the Switch. <laughs> oh, okay. That is a taboo subject. No Switch talk. No Switch talk. No, 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 no. That's a little too too far forward, huh? No, well, not only that, it's just no. I'm no. boycotting Nintendo. <laughs> I, yeah, I understand your frustration with them. I do. Screw you guys. I'm going home. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I can understand that completely. Yeah. But yeah, you know, for a prototype game, uh, this is very outstanding. If you got an Atari Max out there, or do like Matt did, order a physical copy of the game, it's incredible. Yeah, great thing absolutely. to have in your collection. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's one of the pro- there's a lot of prototypes in the fifty two hundred. Oh yeah, most of, most of them are good. This is this one's great. This one's a must have. Oh, it's a must have, most definitely. Yeah. Yep. So, uh, on the next round, I think we discussed this earlier, we're going to try to do Decathlon, maybe. Yeah, what do you think, do you think be, about that? I think that'll be fun. Um, I, I, I've given it a try. It's it's good stuff. So There's a lot we'll, to it. I figure we'll do Decathlon by Activision, and 
maybe we ought to do the mini golf prototype. Oh, yeah. That would be cool. Because I'd like to spend some time with that game after hearing you talk about it last time we recorded. It's pretty neat. Yeah. yeah. It's it's pretty unique, and uh, yeah, I think you'll enjoy it. No, Ferg is a mini golf fanatic, so maybe we'll be able to get him on, too. Oh, that would be great. Yeah, yeah, I think you would like it. He liked the 2600 one a lot. Oh, yeah. So, and this is a... Uh, this is a lot more to this, so. Oh, yeah. I think it was programmed by Steve Baker. Oh, uh, yeah, I think def- that's who right. Did, who did Defender. Mm. Oh, oh, Defender. Yeah, yeah Defender's oh, yeah. Okay. wonderful. Yeah, you guys covered that one already, didn't you? Yeah, quite a while back. Yeah. Yep, yep. Had an interview with Steve and everything on there. It came out pretty good. Yes, it did. All righty. Well, that's it for episode 15 Thanks for listening, everybody. Thanks so much, guys. We'll uh, we'll talk to you next time with Decathlon and Mini Golf. May the luck of the seven pillars of Gulu be with you at all times. Oh, someday these cheapskates will thank Centauri. Trust me. Episode is this? I don't remember what episode it is. Oh, yeah. Last one was episode. Okay. This is episode 15. Okay. There we go. 15. 15. 1 5.